0: Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever been in a job where the environment was so toxic that you didn't even realize it? Or not even in a job. It could sometimes be in a family situation or in a friend's situation where the situation just gets so toxic that you start hunkering down, keeping your eyes down to the ground, not focusing on anything around you, making yourself as small as possible, and it affects everything that you do. What next? How do you get over that? How do you get through that? What are some words that could potentially help somebody who goes through such a feeling, such a time in their life? It's not easy. It's very difficult. It's troubling and it's hard and it just, ah, what next? It's going to be awesome. Today's guest shares tons of stuff, including that, mountaineering, other things. We'll be back.
1: This is the Way to Greatness podcast, where we explore the journey from failure and mediocrity to success and greatness. And now, your host, Ari Gunsberg.
0: Welcome back to The Way to Greatness. Today, our guest is the amazing, the awesome, the fantastic Miss Judy Fox. Woo! Welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> I'm glad to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, that whole uh, introduction came from way back when. I don't know if anybody's a real Doll fan, but he wrote a book ages ago called The Fantastic Mr. Fox. And oh, when I yeah. Encountered, yeah. When I encountered Judy on LinkedIn and she has her little hashtag, hashtag Fox Rocks, I said, wait, there's another one here. Hashtag fantastic miss Fox. Cause from the, sorry, literature reference.
1: <laughs> oh, I think that's great. That's awesome.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you're all about?
1: Oh gosh, where do I start? So I graduated from college in 1999. And I always tell people that because leaving home and going off to college, I went to Virginia tech and studied chemical engineering. And I start with that because it really grounds people. in the fact that there was no social media back then. There's always going to be a place where there is nothing. And then there's something new. And I think there's a lot of people who have said, how did you get from here to here? And that's part of the journey, right? It's about accepting and embracing new things that come into this world. So always be learning.
0: (laughs) Nice. What kind of stuff do you work on now?
1: And now I have, Launched a signature program called LinkedIn Business Accelerator, and that comes from reverse engineering what works, um, how the psychology of sales and business and marketing.
0: Okay. And you are qualified to do that because?
1: Because I have my MBA and I've done business development for many, many companies. I've worked for Tesla, Kraft. I have a presidential candidate that is one of my clients. So
0: that's awesome. And I love (laughs) that you started from that angle. But really, I was giving you a perfect opening to sit there and be like, because I hit 3 million views in 2018.
1: Oh, yes. But (laughs) honestly, if you notice, the results for the clients is way much better and stronger than anything you could probably ever do for yourself. Like what? Um, like for example, getting my clients to 2 million views, I have one client that hit 1 million views in 90 days.
0: Wow. 90 days to 1 million views. Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: And then this year so far, and since working with him, he's hit 2 million views. So that's like another 90 days, another million views. So yeah.
0: Basically what the program that you're presenting to people is working.
1: Yes, it does work. Yes. I have a lot of clients hit. They're 10 to 20 K views on a post. And I know that views, there's a lot of buzz about that's just vanity metrics. Views truly come from engagement, shares, likes, comments. So these people are averaging anywhere from a hundred likes, 200 likes, 300 likes. I've gotten one of my clients up to a couple thousand likes.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And that translates to opportunities. I've now had clients get featured in Forbes and clients are getting featured and getting messages from Arianna Huffington from Huffington Post. And the ripple effect is large and wide. The moment people people need to be aware that you exist. If people are not aware that your company even exists or your brand or your business, how can they hire you? They can't.
0: Right. So at a
1: minimum there is a strategy behind not just going outbound but also how do you do inbound and how do you do how do you do this communication that seems so nebulous to some people and then i just break it down into an easy to understand way
0: awesome i love that you started with your educational background and stuff like that but yeah the results truly speak for themselves and we live in a world where if somebody were doing exactly what you did with the results that you have without the mba they would already be ahead of the game. And here you are, you're like, but I also have my MBA. And I've also got all these, this mm-hmm. long history of doing what works for people who, who need it and getting results, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah. I think the main thing is I'm not very good at what happens is we don't necessarily always brag on ourselves because there are some things that when you really do work hard to get the results for your clients, you're not out there as much anymore yourself. So it is an interesting balance between trying to get results for your clients and then turning around and being able to say, Hey, this is what I do. So thank you for offering me this opportunity. That's actually really, really <laughs> helpful to me. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Glad to have helped. Yes. <laughs> Should we get into some a little bit more difficult stuff?
1: Yes. I think that's a great segue. <laughs> awesome.
0: Awesome. When we initially met, we were uh, promoting and working on this giant event called the LinkedIn Global. And I can't remember, I think it was when you were on the panel over there and I was listening in the back and you mentioned that you had gone through a tremendous amount of failure throughout different things in your life. We know that you went to college in 1999 and now it's 2020. And so between 1999 and 2018, when you hit 3 million views and around the same time that you launched your LinkedIn Business Accelerator, what kind of journey have you had in those times? Like, What are some of the low points that you've had? I'd like to get to the high points also, but yeah, to understand where you're coming from and whatnot, what are some of the low points that you've hit along the way?
1: Well, I think if you've been putting yourself out into the world in any capacity, any capacity or stretching your boundaries, which I think we all should be doing at all times, you will come against walls of either self-made limitations that you might just have yourself or you have a limiting belief. So I was faced with a limiting belief that there's a lot of talk out there about you have to pick your ideal client, or you don't know what you're doing if you don't know your why, or you can't do this and you can't do that. There's just a lot of buzz out there about how you have to do it. And so, what you truly and what I've had to learn is to shut out a lot of the noise. And that's not easy, especially when people that you you just look at them and you're like, that's great, but I kind of have to learn it myself. I have to figure this out. So some of the things I've come across is trying to move from what I've done most 20 years of my career was based more on a salary or hourly model. And I would say that's a huge part of the way I was raised in society is go out and get a job and get a salary. And I think when you become an entrepreneur, some of the areas that you first have to face is, how do I price this? How do I pitch this? And so I'm lucky that I've worked in consulting for 10 of those 20 years. And in consulting, you have to pitch proposals. And I was doing proposals that were million dollar proposals. So you get used to those things. But along the way, I've had proposals that I wanted to go through and they didn't go through. And You know, yeses when I thought there were going to be a no, nos when I thought they're going to be a yes. Like, I don't know if I'm giving you any of the juicy stuff, but I think the thing I said on stage at LinkedIn Global was you're going to also come across people who do not have your back and they don't lift you up, or you know, you trust sometimes the wrong people. And one of those things that happened was along my way in my career, I came across a pretty toxic work environment, and I talked about how a part of that mixed with personal things in my life, I shut down my voice on purpose. I wasn't, nobody was making me. I did it from a place of, I need to do this because this is what's important, like right this very second. And so I did not make any public posts, any likes, any comments. I just had my business running in the direct messages. And I did that for four years.
0: How long ago was that?
1: 2014 to 2018. And 2018 is when I came out on the platform and started making content again.
0: Between 2014 and 2018, you were doing social media consulting?
1: I was doing business development for engineering firms and for my own company, but doing it through the direct messages, networking, and talking and relationship building and communicating and going for coffee. and But not necessarily, I need to be seen and heard in a public way on making content. So many people think about content and that's why what i talk about is different it doesn't the way i've ever built a business is not actually by making content content ends up coming out of a place of you actually have the time and freedom to make the content now because you're not struggling you have the business and you can make content and that's actually most of the businesses i work with now they want to be seen and heard but they have a business behind them now
0: I think what I'm trying to follow is just the sequence of events. Right. You were in a toxic work environment, so you left it Mm -hmm. and then this 2014 to 2018 period happened.
1: No, I was in the toxic work environment and that's when the 2014 to 2018 work environment happened. Yeah.
0: So you were in a toxic work environment, Mm -hmm. probably unsupportive bosses, unsupportive. uh, Do you want to talk about that? that
1: I mean, I can, there were, how do I say this? Uh, one of the things I've learned since that time. So I did not know this when I was in it. Sometimes when you're in it, you are in a bit of survival mode because you are, I am the breadwinner for my family. And I felt backed in a corner at that point. For some reason, I just had limited perspective in the sense that I needed to have this job and I wanted to do everything I could to do a great job and to um, maintain this opportunity and to thrive. And I tend to be a bit of a, I was valedictorian of my getting my MBA. I was top 10 graduating in my class in chemical engineering. I've got like a bit of a-
0: Competitive streak. People
1: used to joke. I, <laughs> competitive, but also a little bit of overachiever slash achievement is one of my strengths on Strength Finders. So it's in my DNA to want to achieve and Meet goals. And so when I'm working for a major corporation, so this is a Fortune 100 company, obviously a huge company like that has many different layers of management. So I always tell people, and I learned this when I was first graduating from college pay attention to who you're going to work for. That can make a bigger difference and impact on your career than almost anything else.
0: Right. Meaning the person you're going to work underneath, not necessarily the company you're going to be employed by. Correct. Absolutely. Yes.
1: The company, great company. The person and the chain of command that I was working within had been a toxic work environment for how, who knows how long? It's not, I just walked into it and I did not recognize it. I ignored some red flags. So I would be aware of red flags before you take something. And then the other thing I realized is as I was in it, um, and I've learned a lot from listening to podcasts since then searching and looking up toxic work environments. how do they operate? And because the chain of chain of command, the leadership above, there was a lot of um, female leadership, which is nothing wrong with female leadership. But I will say that since the toxic workplace got very entrenched, and one thing that I've learned along the way is that when female leaders, particularly, are doing micro toxic behavior to their employees, it is harder to nail down that that is truly a toxic leader. It's truly bullying. It's truly abuse. And, but it's micro. And I know that sounds funny, but I've noticed working with some men leaders that I've had along the way, sometimes you just, you know, you're in it. You know, you're in it. And and you're being like kind of yelled at or whatever it is, you know, you're in it. But this was so micro and almost like pinpricks and being yelled at in my cubicle, being shushed on conference calls saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Those are things that should be done in private. If you are truly managing an employee and they truly do need correction, you do them in private. You don't embarrass them. You don't publicly shame them. One But there was so much public shaming, so much um, bait and switch, goals that were here and then you met the goal, but then it moved. So then you didn't meet the goal, oh.
0: Without any recognition. So then it
1: became this like never ending carrot and stick. You were always getting hit. You were trying to get to this carrot of goal. You got hit with a stick by being yelled at publicly in the workplace or being shamed publicly or being undermined. Then your authority is questioned. Then you just keep going and it was just circular and it got uglier and uglier.
0: That sounds very difficult to have gone through.
1: Yes. <laughs> well, and because I was so busy managing that and I didn't even realize how heavy that was, I was living that world, which many people are. You wake up, you go to work, you come home, you do it again because you just have to survive. You want the paycheck. You think that stability and you think that if you put your head down.
0: You think there's nothing else out there.
1: Yes, Yes, your your head and your blinders are so strong because you're exhausted. I was exhausted. So I definitely had weekends where to get out of this, I had to work my ass off on the weekends to get out of it and to wake up.
0: So you were stuck in this mindset, this survival mood for almost four years. I mean, I imagine you didn't walk into it and immediately go into survival mood because when it switches right on, you're like, no, I got to get out of here. But if they... Right. It's like the the frog in the in the water analogy that they say, right? You throw a frog into boiling water, it jumps right out. You throw a frog into cold water and slowly boil it. It's just going to get sit there and get boiled alive.
1: Correct. So no, and I did not work for that company for all four years. It was the majority of the time... But on the front end and then on the back end, there were the the ramp up into toxicity and then the ramp down out of toxicity. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm saying the 2014 to 2018 was me hunkering down and really kind of living the world that I needed to live to, you know, I mean, I was making six figures, but at that point is six figures and, you know, well into the six figures, is that worth it?
0: Absolutely. It
1: is sometimes. But you also, I was smart. I saved up money during that time, worked on the weekends, networked my butt off in the direct messages and got opportunities so I could comfortably leave and confidently leave.
0: Wow. If somebody was in survival mode still today, mm-hmm. right, they're in this toxic work environment, similar to the one that you were in, a different situation, whatever it is, some type of toxicity that they are Because they're in survival mode, they feel like they can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, First off, what message of hope would you give them right now?
1: You're not alone. I think one of the biggest issues we have is a feeling of loneliness and being alone and that they're not alone. And there are non-toxic work environments out there and amazing people (laughs) out there. And I'm so grateful to have met so many of them. I know someone we know in common is Brian Wallace. And when you meet people like Brian or the ripple effect of meeting amazing people in this world, you just start to realize and kind of remove the blinders and look out into the world and see the good and not get stuck in that space anymore. So first, you're not alone. Second, I definitely think one of the earlier steps that I took, there's a picture on my Instagram feed, it's a little bit back, but it's a wall of inspiration. So I spent a weekend, which was valuable time, to print out any inspirational quote. And I printed them. I I get a little bit uh engineering. So everything had to be eight by eight, nine by nine, so it could make up a really beautiful wall. But it was truly engineering feat. (laughs) And it was just completely, you know, like this wall of inspiration that I would read every single quote. And if you think about it, that's retraining my mind. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I was retraining my mind to li- I had one that was how to live your best life. There was like eight steps to live your best life. Don't think about what other people think about you. You never be able to control that. Don't do this, do that, do this, like drink water. One of them just says drink water. <laughs> Get a good night's sleep. Prioritizing good sleep is and I just had this huge wall of them and I still have them and I need to Unfortunately, I have like an air duct now. I got to like find a nice wall. I want to put them on, but it changed everything. You have to change your inner mindset and your inner talk.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I've got three things to talk about with all the stuff you just said. First of all, Brian Wallace is awesome. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's funny you bring him up because today he's there's a fundraiser going on that he's involved with for an entrepreneurial group that focuses on connecting mentors and mentees. And so I am a very, very small part of that fundraiser. Basically, I mean, I just like posting a little bit about it or whatnot, but, um, you know, it's he's very much on my mind because today's February 27th and he's, uh, you know, I don't know when this is going to go to air, but. Mm. He's, he's got this whole fundraiser going on. The second one is about your inspirational quotes. Mm -hmm. You know how they say there's an app for that?
1: Yes, there is an app for that.
0: Now now there's a new app for that. It's like called like mixed tiles or something like that, where you can take stuff off your phone, send it to them and they'll ship you off these like eight by eight tiles. You just like stick on the wall. Boom. Done. Oh my gosh.
1: That's hilarious. And then Um, obviously I have to do it the hard way.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, easy, easy is for suckers, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that was back in, I did start that inspiration while I'm trying to think I started it in 2015 or 2016. So I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, no, I, this is just something I've seen on Instagram lately. So, I mean, this is probably the past year or two, but it's it's pretty cool. That
1: is really cool. That is really cool. And I do, I actually go into the psychology in my head. I was like, what size am I picking? Um, eight by eight. And then I framed them by a nine by nine backing. So that way it just looked pretty on the wall. I wanted it. We're inspired by beautiful things or else we wouldn't be inspired by art and all of the music we listen to and
0: absolutely, we need
1: that. That connects things in our brains between the left and the right brain and I don't even know all this stuff. I just know it's freaking important and when we start acting like life is one dimensional, that's when the world goes to gray.
0: Life without art is so bland. I don't I mean, want to
1: live in a gray world. <laughs>
0: The number of books that have come out where, you know, it's like some type of dystopian future and then some kid or something uncovers like some old artwork, or some old pieces. I mean, I, there's got to be tons and tons of them. I, I can't think of any titles off the top of my head, but was like a Wasn't there like 1984
1: theme. or...
0: 1984 is dystopian. I don't remember yeah. if it's art specifically that pulls no. him out of it or if he just realizes or like Fahrenheit a 451. Fahrenheit 451 is is Bradbury and it's the yes. one where they're burning all the books burning, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then somebody picks one up and decides to read it and it changes everything. Anthem also has a similar theme, but I don't remember if art was the catalyst to cause the stuff to change and everything. Mm, let me look at my bookshelves.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a huge reader. I know people talk about that too, but reading changes your brainwaves.
0: Uh, absolutely
1: to get out of any toxic situation. And then you have to change your brainwaves. And I do have one more thing that I implemented and I Googled it. That's how I found it. I don't know. Actually, I think I was a part of us. I joined a support group online and it was only through email support. And the reason why I say it like that is because sometimes when you're in any type of toxic situation, you don't feel safe. You feel like if you start putting, and that's why I made no content, because I felt nervous that if you put something out into the world, somebody can take a screenshot, they can share it, they can use your words against you. You you don't feel safe anymore. So what I learned is going into the baby and baby pool end of getting your voice again, it involves reaching out, finding safe spaces to do that, smaller support groups that do exist out there that I networked to. It all came through just talking, opening up to a few people and saying, do you know of anything? Keep your eyes and ears open. Do you know of anyone that's ever faced this that might know of any type of support? Because that small support group was a free support group. It just operated over email. Every once in a while, they'd get together for a potluck. But Being able to, and I probably only emailed that group three times to say, here's what's going on. But honestly, I got so much support by reading their messages and them opening up and saying what was going on in their life and how they were dealing with it. So powerful.
0: We get into these modes and we're like, okay, nobody else is going through this except for me, or we're embarrassed that we're going through it, even though there's nothing necessarily to be embarrassed about. Correct. And then when we can see that there are parallels in other people's lives, I mean, obviously our lives are unique, but when we see that other people are going through very similar things and are experiencing very similar emotions and very similar struggles and very similar triumphs, it enables us to see, I guess, a path out of it. It enables us to see hope. And then also, you know, a lot of times in these support groups, somebody will be like, well, I was there, but here's the steps that I took to get out and you can do it too.
1: Yes. And that's how I discovered one more step that I want to tell your audience about, and it's called the gray rock theory. So when somebody is, and this goes back to shutting down my voice, I discovered this pretty early on, but when somebody is toxic towards you or aggressive, or they are, there is a strategy that can work for a period of time. And it's called the gray rock method where you are literally the most uninteresting gray rock. And you kind of blend into the background where there's like that gif of Homer Simpson, like (laughs) going back into the bushes. There, (laughs) He's like, uh, disappearing. (laughs) So a gray rock on the sidewalk is not very interesting to somebody who is a bully, who is wanting to get an emotional reaction. They're wanting to get some type of something. There's some goal that they're trying to achieve on their end. And we, on the other side, are trying to figure out toxic, right? And we're like a ping pong ball where we're getting batted, especially if it's your boss. We're getting batted back and forth and we're trying to figure out this game. But Gray Rock, some parts of Gray Rock are really, really helpful because you're stable. You're no longer moving. You're no longer responding. You're no longer reacting to anything. It's like you go to zero of anything in front of that person. So that way there's nothing for them to want. They're doing this still, but they're just getting this now from you.
0: Instead of bouncing around like a ball, it's just dropping straight to the floor. And they're like, eh. So they put more of their time and energy into it. Does it work?
1: That is the theory. And there's parts of that theory that worked. Yes, it definitely worked. Yeah.
0: Parts of it that worked. This is like a more elaborate. I feel like this is a more elaborate theory of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Meaning obviously that's a response. But if you use the stick and stone, you know, and you sit there and you just don't allow the words to hurt you, which obviously they do. But yeah, I feel like it's a more elaborate, more.
1: That one was hard.
0: More framed theory. That one's very hard, especially if you decide to tell it to the people you well sticks and stones will make my bones and it's just that just that backfires quickly
1: I would say so <laughs> if you do google it it's something that to be honest I that's not my personality and a lot of times of some of the reasons why people um, my friends that know me my connections everyone that I know throughout my whole life I almost felt like a gray rock at one point. Like I felt like the world had turned a bit more gray because I naturally was trying to shut down who I am because I was trying not to attract attention. I was trying to just be. You were
0: trying to implement this gray rock theory.
1: Yes. On myself to reduce what I could of the bullying of the behavior to try to, to see if I could minimize and get it to stop. Like, because I was no longer an attractive target.
0: Right. And the problem is, is that I've seen this also in other things that sometimes when we try to implement a personality shift in one area of our life. It's kind of hard to compartmentalize and then it, that's it shifts over into the other parts of our life. And that, that sounds like that kind of happened to you.
1: Yes. And so that's why when 2018, when I, when I, I did hire at that point, I had saved up money. I knew I had contracts. I had corporate clients to leave and go back out and be back in my entrepreneurial shoes. But I started making content. Somebody said I was like an uncaged bird that was like able to sing again. And I have some close friends that have known me for over 20, 30 years. And they're like, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that's a little bit of it. Like I came out and I was like, I had been like, uh, I don't know, like a butterfly, you know, in a cocoon dealing with this situation, having my head down, trying to get my work done, trying to do a million things all lined up. And finally I could cut off all those things and I didn't have to be a gray rock anymore. And I was like, Ta-da!
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. It's, it's literally like what they say that, you know, they put you through the ringer and yes, doesn't sound like it was easy going through it. It doesn't sound like it was pleasant, but hopefully you're <laughs> a bigger, st- better, stronger person through it.
1: Yes. And now I still face things. We're never going to get, I, I feel bad saying this and I wish that maybe I need to be a little more positive, but I, there's so much bullying that's happening out in the world and so much, um, there's a lot of, there can be hate speech. I try not to focus on that, but, and I don't necessarily think that's my platform to try to solve that at all. I honestly think there are amazing, amazing groups and people who are working on that and I just don't know where, can we ever get rid of it? Like, can we ever stop the the pain that people cause when they don't realize? So part of it is there are some people out there, and I will say there's many different buckets you can put people in, but there are some people who don't necessarily realize they are being a bully and they're toxic. And I think they get glimpses of it and they don't understand why that person is reporting them to HR or... (laughs) (laughs) And the problem is it has to be a pattern over time. And I left and I left in twenty. It was about 2017, 2018, right in that frame right there. And when I left, I actually just recently met back up with the employees that still work there. And they said, it's gotten worse. There's all this. Why
0: wouldn't it have gotten worse unless people are standing up for themselves?
1: Right. But sometimes there's these people who say, Oh, it was just their dynamic.
0: Okay. I don't know. I don't know.
1: It, but that's what HR was trying to say. We to you. Yes. That me and that person just didn't get along. And I call whatever, you know, a bull. <laughs>
0: if you're the only person experiencing problems, I would buy it. But if you're not the only person experiencing problems, then yes, it's,
1: I was not the only person.
0: You may have been the only person being vocal about it. That may have been it.
1: That is very true. When I started doing my stretching and being like no longer Gray Rock.
0: Breaking out of it. And
1: part of the Gray Rock worked for a period of time. I will say it helps for thinking about it from a place of save your money, get your resume in order, start networking to another opportunity or start getting support, support groups. Gray Rock is great for that because you kind of have to protect yourself.
0: Right, as a temporary fix, as a temporary fix over the, the one month or the three months or six months that you need to sit there and get everything together to move on to the next opportunity, a hundred percent.
1: Yes, and you need to honor that gray rock so that way they are not. Yeah, but then, like you said, you got to be yourself again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not. It's not a long term solution. It's a. You know, I have to be in this situation for a little bit longer. I'm going to focus on not being a problem and just keeping my head down to get the stuff that I need to get done and and moving right. on and everything. And so I'm going to segue out of this topic a little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think
0: we, <laughs> I think we, I think we hung out here for long enough, but you know, we were talking just before about beauty and how beauty helps so much to bring vibrance to light in our lives and in the things that are going on around us. And I know that we've connected before about mm-hmm. nature and oh, you, you know, nature something. Yeah, I know. I know it's a great is, is that just a photo or is there actual light coming through because it's like with a window behind it?
1: Oh, it does look really cool. It's just a photo.
0: It looks really good on video.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: You want to tell me a little bit about some of your experiences out in nature? I know you've climbed some mountains, you've done some caving. Yeah.
1: So when I was younger, I I can't remember. I think, so I've been keeping journals since I could probably write <laughs> and the earliest things in my journals because I grew up going to Catholic school, going to church every weekend. And one of the biggest things that started to hit me around high school and college was I just feel at peace in nature. I feel like there's a voice that I can start to, I can quiet other voices and I can start to actually connect in that spiritual way that, Many people talk about, but I just wasn't necessarily getting some of that by sitting in a pew at church. I was just starting to feel like I need to spend more time in nature too, to really connect back with myself, hear my own voice, hear and be spiritually connected to the world. And I just feel like it kept pushing me to spend and also challenge myself out there. Like I was really attracted to search and rescue and caving and rock climbing and any sport i listed out every single did you get your woofer? yes yes nice
0: yes. you keep it current
1: i have not oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but definitely i wanted to climb mount rainier and instead of thinking oh i'll just find a guide group to take me up mount rainier i was like well i can just I have a friend that used to be a mountain guide. So I contacted him and put a team together and then we did it. And then the next time I climbed Mount Rainier, two years later, I was the lead climber. So I had all the training, all the experience to, and set up crevasse rescue and teach these things. And I think the other thing, and especially when it comes to women, when they get into very, um, just outdoorsy adventure, leading a team of men up the mountain. <laughs> when I look back now, I look around and that was the only team that was me leading. I mean, we're all a team obviously, but I came in with the most like experience. This is considered hierarchy of, I will be front lead on rope. And what does this look like? And how do we operate as a team? And we did amazing. That was an incredible climb.
0: Rainier has a lot of technical climbing on it.
1: Yes, well, it has a lot of crevasses and a lot of potential snow bridges over crevasses. Depending upon the time of year you go, it's not. How do I say this? Rainier can be an easier mountain to climb, but but if uh, anything hits the fan, if anything hits the fan, you better be trained. You better have your skills, and that's really what it's all about. Anything you do in life all about being prepared for it it's not about wanting it to happen you don't really want the worst to happen but you hope that you have a team prepared to handle it
0: my WooFer instructor by the way for those who don't know WooFer stands for wilderness first Responder, responders a medical certification to use out in the wilderness mm-hmm. anyways my instructor has a great saying his name's Jerome Gabriel he says there's no such thing as bad weather only bad equipment
1: and bad decisions
0: yes yes
1: Cause I think when we faced a whiteout conditions, we were almost 500 feet from the top and we turned around because there is a Bergschrund Bergschrund means where the cap of the mountain has separated down from the lower glaciers and you have to go through basically a sketchy section (laughs) Right, (laughs) where if you fall, you could fall 100 plus feet. It's not like that gap is
0: huge. A big deal.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's. I, I held my breath I was like, because <laughs> you're lead climbing. You don't have a roped up course that right. you're going up. You are literally lead climbing. And so lead climbing and rock climbing is you are climbing unassisted
0: above you. Right. Until you put an anchor into the wall Correct. and then get your rope snapped into that anchor, you're falling between you and the last anchor that you set. And you've yes. got limited anchors. So if you... You might have to be setting your anchors five or 10 or 15 feet apart. And so a fall can be pretty hairy if it ends up happening.
1: Correct. That fall, the way we could anchor, we literally couldn't anchor. There was going to be a section where if we fell, it could have been 50, 20, 50 feet, which could be fatal depending upon how you fall.
0: So in climbing and stuff also, like there's a whole concept of how you measure the force that's applied to the Mm -hmm. rope. The longer that you fall, the more the force is applied to the rope. And these ropes can handle a lot, Mm -hmm. but not everything. There is always going to be that breaking limit and stuff. And so the more space you put between anchors, the more likely it is that if God forbid something happens, that a rope could actually snap. And so that's why in those types of situations, it can get hairier and Mm -hmm. hairier and hairier. And
1: so we circled back and I mentioned how that really turns into incredible leadership skills. Any amount of time you spend in nature in doing a hike, doing even just a walk, you can at some point really circle that back, especially if you are leading a group or you're part of a group. Everyone is a leader within this group because at some point you could be called upon to help out in an emergency or something. Like we all take for granted how people relinquish their power to leadership When truly you are the leader, you need to be inside yourself already.
0: As long as you believe in yourself. Absolutely. Yes. And the other thing also, you mentioned that you were very close to the top, very close to the summit, and you decided to turn Mm -hmm. back. There's another saying that I like to tell people all the time. The only bold mountaineer is a dead one. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, yeah, because it's like some people they're like oh why didn't you just charge forward and be bold and like seize the day and you're like because that's how people die yeah
1: white out conditions <laughs> means you literally cannot see the difference between the mountain and the sky anything and you literally each step you take really you're going down or up whichever direction doesn't matter but you literally cannot tell what's about to happen what the angle of the snow is I mean, you could just like and slip right off the mountain and you are roped up at all times. But when I say anything can happen in a blink of an eye on a mountain.
0: And even if you have four or five or six people and they're all roped up together and whatnot, if one person falls and nobody else is paying attention, there's always that possibility. You're
1: like a zipper effect.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Like the idea is everybody's fully trained, et cetera, but it can always happen.
1: Well, and I see a lot. The other thing you have to realize is anytime you go out and you do something like this and you take a risk, you are even next to other people too that are all mountaineering next to you. And I know there was only one other team that we saw because again, we are doing the up and back in one day, which took about 15 hours and we from base camp, not the, you know what I mean? There's like a, whatever, base camp is more where you're on the glacier already and you're ready to summit, like summit camp, I guess. I don't know what you want to say it. Anyways, the point is, we didn't see a bunch of other teams. They had to have turned around. And so if you actually want success and climbing a mountain, you have to have the training to know how to work together as a team, communicate. The faster we had every stop nailed down, To know exactly when we stop, rest up. Okay, water, food, this, this. Like you don't take a minute to fumble around, or you lose something and it falls down the mountain. Like everything has to be tied to you. So when I saw the other teams going up the mountain, they were not as prepared. I could see that they were not as in tune with each other. There, the communication was really struggling. But it's because they were just saying, "Hey, I want to go out for a weekend and climb a mountain."
0: Right. They weren't, they didn't come prepared. I mean, there's so many lessons that can be learned so many. on all different <laughs> types of wilderness. I mean, gear management, leadership, communication, Ooh. teamwork. You could just list it on and on and on. But I want to jump back to something you had mentioned before, how when you get out into nature, it helps you quiet down. I'm saying, I, I know for myself, my best ability to be fully mindful and in, in the moment is anytime that I'm out in nature with one small caveat, anytime that I'm out in nature and not like, oh, I'm out in nature, I should be trying to get like photos and videos to be able to post and everything because that always sits there and distracts you and whatnot. But when I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm good, like backpack on whatever outside, I can truly detach. And it's sometimes it's the only time that I can truly detach and everything because we have so much stuff going on in our lives. You mentioned also before that you've been journaling for a long time. Yeah. What are some long-term benefits you've seen from that or just one or something?
1: One of the first long-term benefits is being able to see that I really am who I am. I I can change and I can consistency. Yeah, I can try to change a lot of things about myself. I think we are all you're either moving or you're kind of just stagnant and you're staying in the same place. And many of us, many of us, whether we admit it or not, the inner voice inside is saying, I want to improve something in my life, or it's experiencing some type of pain. And saying, I don't want this anymore. Right. So whatever I don't want of, I don't want this pain. I don't want this being overweight. I don't want, because I do have to say our brain naturally says the more I don't want before it starts saying what I want.
0: Right. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We have to fulfill certain things before we can look into the self-actualization. Absolutely. Correct.
1: And I definitely think having journaling for, I mean, I literally, I can open up a journal from... 1988 or 89 Wow! (laughs) that when I open it and I read my words and those, I mean, it's different than a video. I could watch a video of myself, but there's something different about taking pen to paper and committing it to paper. These words, these goals, these concepts that were in my brain and trying to force them out on paper into some type of coherency. (laughs) And what inspired me at the time and what made me think that and and where was I struggling and what was I dreaming about? And honestly, I've not changed. I think to myself, there are things I've improved and changed and some things have changed in my life, but my baseline of who I am, the, the goal setter in me, I've always been a goal setter. The wanting to challenge myself, I've always been a challenger. There are certain things that I just can't escape.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It's fascinating you say that because I feel like no matter how authentic somebody is, no matter how much somebody's willing to, and I don't mean physically, but bear all on camera, right? There's a certain level of, I'm trying to think of the word here, but like maybe... It's just like a different level of private thoughts and the method of thinking and dreams, et cetera, that go into a journal versus then what would go into a, let's just say a video journal or something like that. I I haven't journaled consistently, but every nature trip that I go on, I do keep a journal through the nature Mm -hmm. trip and stuff. And I know that, you know, you want to record as much as you possibly can. Here's what I was thinking. And here's what we thought about this. And here's, you know, this is a dream for this. And this is my goal for this. And and if you've been doing it for a long time, you're probably a super fantastic expert at it as opposed to somebody who just does it every once in a while. But there's tremendous value I know that I've seen to, to keeping a journal and whatnot. And I think that's very cool that you do that.
1: I think it helps to process your brain and your thoughts and honestly, at the end of the day, it keeps you grounded because if you truly do have something over time that you have been journaling and there's a saying, and I'm pretty sure you'll get it. I will butcher it right now. Let's see if I can not butcher it. The best time to do something was yesterday or whatever. The the next best time to do something is today. See what's the saying? I
0: don't know the quote. I know the I know the Jewish <laughs> There's a one from a Jewish scholar from like 2000 years ago. It's much shorter, much simpler. Okay.
1: Well, then what is it cuz it's better? If
0: not now, when? Yeah. If you're not going to get started right now, like when are you going to do it? That's powerful.
1: Oh, it's called the best time to plant a tree. It's a Chinese proverb.
0: Ah. And okay. it
1: basically says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. <laughs>
0: There you go. That's always true. Right. If you put it off for 20 years, don't put it off any longer. But
1: there's also some other saying, and I know that I, that'll come to me in a minute because it's on one of my inspirational quotes, (laughs) (laughs) but it really is inspiring. It makes you say truly the difference. I think the major difference between many, 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 many people on earth is the people who will take action, who will, even if the action is the next action, which is like pick up pen. Right. Put pen on paper. Write my name. (laughs) Sometimes we have to like break down the bait. Our brain is sometimes working against us to achieve things. I think our brain sometimes our brain is stuck in certain patterns. Yes. So if you're trying to set up a new pattern, sometimes you have to
0: get through the resistance. It
1: Mm -hmm. reminds me of like a kid. I'm trying to think of an idea here, but like you want them to do something But you kind of want to come at it a little to the side so they're not spooked. Like you want them to take their medicine. So you behind the scenes get the medicine all ready and it's all ready to go. (laughs) And you're not showing them the medicine yet, but you're like, oh, this is great. Drink this and then drink this. (laughs) But it depends on the age of the kid. The point is you have to do things in your brain because your brain is like pattern, 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 pattern. For example, and this is one idea for how to break a habit because I've been studying how to break a habit because I have habits. I have things and patterns that they're not terrible, but are they serving me? And if you ask that question, if you
0: haven't read it yet, not that I finished it, but James Clear, Atomic Habits.
1: Yeah, I have that. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. And to get to the crux behind it, which was an earlier work was Charles Duhigg's Power of Habit. That I read. the. Uh,
1: Yep. I read that one too. All right. (laughs) So what I did recently for myself, and this is just one idea out of one of those books and I'm sure I'm paraphrasing it like we do. The point is I've implemented it. I had to trick my brain to stop myself from doing something. I had to just say, I'm just going to stop doing it for five days. Just five. I can go back to it. I can do it again. The moment you tell your brain or yourself, I'm never going to do that again. You're like, at least me, I'm a little bit of a rebel inside my brain. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) I need that. And honestly, I kicked the habit. But all it had to be five-day increments. I had to say, okay, I can do it for five days. It's Just Just for
0: five days, sure. Yeah,
1: five days I can not do X. whatever. I mean, I'm just going to say what it is. I didn't want to go to Starbucks as much as I was going to Starbucks. Sorry, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> but I was in a habit and I wanted to go through the drive through at Starbucks a little less. Right. And as any mom of any young kids, you know that it's nice just to go through drive throughs because then you don't have to get the kids out,
0: Kid out of the car, sure. in
1: and out of the car. You're just like drive through and you feel like you have a little bit of a A parent moment to yourself when you're like, I'm getting my drink. (laughs) I'm getting my my frappuccino, whatever. I don't know what you're getting. The point is I had to tell myself to stop that. I had to start with five days and then I could do another five days. And now I can't even, I actually cannot remember the last time I went. I mean, it's not like been crazy long, but I've well exceeded the five days, but I've also not told my brain. No, what I've told my brain is, the next time you get one, you'll just have to do the five days over again. It's no big deal. You've done it before. My brain chills. My brain right. calms down and doesn't self-sabotage me.
0: Self-sabotage. Love the word.
1: Yeah. Oh, we could go forever. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know. Uh, so what are some thoughts for either in your own life of steps that you've used to lead yourself on your own path to greatness or things that you think may help the general population what to help them on their own path to greatness?
1: Oh, wow. I would say the path to greatness is in between your ears. It starts here. The way you think about yourself is how you also end up talking with other people. The way you treat yourself is how sometimes you end up treating other people. So sometimes we don't realize that the kindest person we need to be kind to first is to ourselves. For sure. We'll be kinder to other people if we're kind to ourselves too
0: for sure. Yeah, we are often our own worst enemy, which is very unfortunate and very difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the path to greatness, it does start in your head. It starts with being kind to yourself. You know, my mom always told me, you can't love anybody until you love yourself. And actually, I ended up breaking it down and saying, you can't even like anybody till you like yourself. Like you have to like yourself. Are you treating yourself as a friend? Because your friend would lift you up. Your friend would support you working on your resume your friend would support you networking and trying to put yourself out there your friend wouldn't cut you down your friend wouldn't say you can't
0: do it we have a close family friend who one time she gets she's an emotional lady and stuff she one time was like yelling at us she's like if you don't take care of you Who's gonna take care of you? You know, like you got to put yourself <laughs> first sometimes, and people feel selfish when they do that a lot of times. But it's not selfish <laughs> because you need to be okay in order to help others be okay. It doesn't, like you're saying, it starts. It goes back to
1: that: put your oxygen mask on before you can do it for your children. If you can't care for yourself, how can you care for others? So, right. there's a lot of talk out there about going out and being kind and rippling out the kindness, but To be honest, I think if everyone just, if we had a collective inner kindness day (laughs) and all you had to do was be inner kind to yourself, I'm actually very curious how incredible the world would be that day. Me too. Yeah, it's a good one. So path to greatness, be kind to yourself. And honestly, if that's all you ever did, you'd probably like succeed so much. Do you know how nice it is when you have really kind friends supporting you? Right. And then you do it to yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Last thing. If you were to tell somebody one thing that they could do today to launch themselves on their way to greatness, what would you tell them?
1: Put one inspirational quote on your wall to start with one.
0: Just start with one.
1: If you need to go to the app (laughs) and get one, (laughs) or if you just need to make it a simple post it note, just have one and pick one. It's all good. It's one action, one thing, one small change in your brain.
0: Pick one small change in your brain. And you're saying read it daily.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have it somewhere that you're always in the kitchen at a certain time every single day and you always stand there at your coffee pot, whatever it is you do. I make eggs every morning. So I have an inspirational quote right there, right above on the cabinet so I can read it. It's right there.
0: To help retrain your brain. Awesome. Thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with you or to learn more about your LinkedIn business accelerator, where would they go?
1: Mm -hmm. They would go to judyfox.com. And you can get all the details and connect with me on all the socials and tell me where you heard me and say hi so I can be like, hey, hey, hey.
0: Awesome. It's been a real pleasure. Yes. There's so much stuff that we just didn't cover and everything. I mean, it's the limitations of only doing it in a certain amount of time and everything, you know, cause I
1: know we could do a 24 hour, <laughs> be kind inside your brain marathon. <laughs> Hashtag LinkedIn live, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that would make it a little hairy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got to be prepared, right?
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. This was so great.
0: Thank you so much. Bug Daddy Addy wrote, inspiring podcast. I've known Ari for quite some time now, and this podcast is awesome. Keep up the great work, Ari. Thank you, David. I don't want you to miss a single episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you for listening
1: to the Way to Greatness podcast, where we explore the journey from failure and mediocrity to success and greatness. Keep moving on your way to greatness. Join us next week for more stories, inspirations, and interviews to help you achieve the greatness within you.